Welcome to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. The fact that you're listening means you're ready to be inspired and empowered to take your life, love, and leadership to the next level. Hey everyone, it's Matt Morgan, and today is part two around the topic of parenting. And so if you are about to be a parent or currently a parent, this is really helpful for all of us. And again, as I said last week, I want to give a big qualification. I'm not the expert. <laughs> I'm simply taking other experts and being the vessel for you to be able to say, hey, go read more of their stuff. There's some incredible stuff. I'm a parent of an amazing six-year-old child. I don't have multiple kids. There's a lot of phases. I don't have any middle schoolers, high schoolers yet. And so some of you are listening, you're like, yeah, you don't understand our world. Absolutely, I don't. And that's why we're giving resources for you to continue to learn more. Last week, we talked about Suzanne Stabile, which is an amazing thing around parenting around the Enneagram. Today, we're going to go farther up in the sky, about 30,000 feet up and see a generational pattern that affects our parenting strategy from a sociological perspective. And then number two, what we're going to do today is we're going to be able to look at a specific acronym that I think will be really helpful in light of the technological world that we live in and how it affects our parenting today. And so there's a man named Tim Elmore, who is a great leader and a sociologist, and he has really done a great job kind of giving the building blocks from a sociological perspective around our generations and how it's affected parenting. And so if you look at the actual working world today still, the latest one, the people that are the oldest ones would actually be what's called the builder age. And that's the builder generation. They were born between 1929 in 1945. And they're called the building age because they were building during a very difficult time, right? What was going on during that time? The Great Depression, World War II. So as a result, they're very frugal. They're conservative. They turn the light off when they leave the room and make you eat everything on your plate when you were a child, right? Those of you who are baby boomers or Gen Xers, you know what I'm talking about? Because for them, they didn't know where their next meal was going to come from. And so their paradigm and lesson they taught their kids was this, just because grateful you got a job, all right? It wasn't find your passion like it is today with millennials, right? That wasn't even a verbiage or vocabulary in their world. That wasn't even a phrase. It was just be grateful you got a paycheck. And then from there, the next generation is called the baby boomers. And the baby boomers were born between 1946 and 1964. And they're called this because nine months after World War II, you guys, was over, the maternity wards completely filled up. And there was a boom of babies. 76 million kids born in just 18 years. Think about that. That's a ton in our country. So the boomers grew up in a time of expansion. Unlike the Great Depression, right? Their narrative is this. Hey, you know what? I deserve better. And so I deserve a better life than my mom and dad have. And I'm going to take advantage of what they gave me, but I'm going to take it a step further. That was the baby boomers expectation. It was one of optimism and positivity, and we're going to go after it. From there, we reach another generation, and that's called the baby busters, or later was known and what stuck was called Gen X. But it was originally called the baby busters. And the baby busters or Gen Xers were born between 1965 and 1982. 
too. And the reason, you guys, why they were originally called baby busters was because this generation started at the introduction of the birth control pill. So instead of a boom, there was a bust. So Gen X listeners, you know, you're lucky to be alive. (laughs) That should be your mantra, right? On top of the birth control pill, there was, you know, Roe v. Wade in 1973. So you end up seeing not 76 million, but just 46 million people in this generation. All right, think about that. 30 million less kids born during this period. And the economy, social security, you know, all these kind of things were like kind of plummeting and going down a little bit. This is not a podcast topic about that, but the ramifications of the workforce and voting, all of that was playing into Gen X generation. And so all of it was going on big time during their life as children. So their real mantra that he gives to them is, hey, keep it real. And that's because when they were growing up, you know what? It was a much tougher time. From 1965 to 1982, the Vietnam War was going on, right? And they had it on TV. The Watergate scandal was happening, the gas lines forming at the gas stations. And so as kids, they saw adults feeling more skeptical about politicians and a little bit more skeptical about business leaders and in corporate America and so forth. And so they get this keep it real real mantra. They long for authenticity. And if you're not authentic, they smell that from a mile away and they want nothing to do with you. That's the Gen Xers. And then from there, we have the Gen Ys, probably the most popular generation right now going on, also called the Millennials, right? And so they're getting a lot of stuff, a lot of attention, some positive, a lot negative, but they were born between 1983 and you know 1999. So if you were born basically the 80s and 90s babies, and uh, that's me, I'm an elder millennial, I was born in 1983, so gather around, children. So if you're a millennial, you know, so there's a big spectrum even on millennials that were born from 1983 versus a millennial that was born in 1997, okay? So very different perspective. But their mantra they get in the millennials is life is a buffet, right? Pick and choose in order you want and go back for seconds. I mean, heck, start with the dessert first if you want. I mean, think about it. Did you know in some places you can actually pick your own major in college? Pick your own college, but pick your own major. You can customize it. So you get to pick your own playlist for your music now that you listen to. It's not just on the radio. You get to do whatever you want. So the world in their world is full of optimism and opportunity throughout the spectrum. And so this is really, really big around the millennials. And so I can do anything, get everything. One of my clients said yesterday, he's like, yeah, I got the trophy when I was a kid. I'm a millennial. I'm 28 years old. But who gave me the trophy? (laughs) Who's the one who set me up like this, right? It was my younger baby boomer parents who were also optimistic, you know, that set me up so you could do whatever. And so life was opportunistic for me. And then from there, we have the generation that is now being tested today, which is the Gen Z. So Gen Z is everyone born from 2000 to today. Today's 2019 from the time of this podcast. And so they are Gen Z. They're also, some people call them the Homelanders. One historian has called them because they are a generation that started at the same time as Homeland Security. So what that means is terrorism has been a normal part of the conversation for them. They've witnessed as children two economic downturns since 2000, racial unrest, uncertainty, complexity, gun violence, massive suicide rates, gender, you know, all kinds of questions of what gender am I? There's a lot of things 
things happening in our culture today for their generation. So their mantra is this, I'm coping and hoping. So even though they might send out this silly little Snapchat video, it's kind of a stressful time for a lot of these kids. You know, one of my friends who is a teacher said one of his female students actually didn't feel comfortable coming to school one day because she didn't have the clothes to match her friend's Snapchat thread. And all their outfits were all together, but she couldn't match them. So she felt so ashamed she couldn't show her face to school. So as you can see, there's a lot of angst and a lot of depression actually going on in kids today. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, we had the 20 year reunion of Columbine and we had a threat of a woman coming from Miami to my area here in Denver, Colorado with the threat to actually kill people in a high school because she was obsessed with the Columbine situation. That's the world of Gen Z. Now, what I want you to notice is as you look at the narrative of all five generations, it moves from a narrative of caution over to confidence with the baby boomers, right? And so back to caution with Gen X, to confidence with the millennials, and then back to caution with Gen Z. Do you see this narrative? This is, again, sociology, not psychology, but the narrative, you know, if you are a parent of Gen Z is to be a hope giver, right? Things will work out. We can be a hope giver. You can do this. I believe in you. You got this. You can change the world. It'll be hard work, but you can do things well. Now, if you're parenting a younger millennial, you're going to have to tell them you can change the world, but it's going to take more than 15 minutes. (laughs) Their optimism is wonderful, but for most of us, you know, one of the greatest elements and strengths of that generation is simultaneously our greatest weakness. So you're going to want to help them realize, hey, you need to sustain and run the race. You can change the world, but it's going to take you maybe 25 or 30 minutes as opposed to 15. So our parenting is really structured around even our sociological perspective of what's going on in the world today. And in our world today, all five of these generations, you know, are being impacted by technology, social media. Our world has gotten smaller. And so there is an incredible acronym that Tim Elmore gives that I think is worth sharing. And he gives the acronym of this. It's called SCENE. S-C-E-N-E. And so what he does is say, okay, because of the world that we live in today with technology, there are also unintended consequences that we could have. And I think that's a very great parenting thing to notice with our kids. If we say yes to this, what are we saying no to? And are we okay with that? If we allow this, what are some unintended consequences that we just need to be aware of and have a open dialogue and conversation with our partner, with our friends, and with our kids. And so the S for seen stands for speed, right? We live in a world that's fast, right? If I have to wait for more than eight seconds, it's like move on to the next website. This is way too slow. And so fast, fast, fast. We want things now. You know, Amazon came on, you know, and it was like two days. Now it's like one day. If it's beyond two days, we're like, what in the world is going on? We think speed is our best friend. And as a three on the Enneagram, I couldn't agree more. But what we unintendedly, what we need to be aware of is that anything slow is bad. When you think about it, The best relationships and healthiest relationships, they happen slowly. They develop friendships. So many things that are slow and build over time well are good. And so we need to be able to help our children that even though we live in a world of fast-paced speed, slow isn't bad. The C in the word seen stands for convenience. 
right? Everything is convenient. We don't even go shopping anymore. We just hit a button and it's online shopping and things get sent right to us. And so, you know, we have TV dinners and all this kind of stuff that is just convenient for us to be the most effective, efficient way possible and to make it simple, to make it easy. But the unintended consequences of convenience is that anything hard is bad, right? One of the big things that happens with our own daughter is that, you know, if she doesn't like writing right now, I don't know what it is. She loves math. She doesn't want to do writing. She's like, it's hard. I'm bad at handwriting. I can't do this. And we just tell her, Madison, you can do hard things. That's our mantra. You can do hard things. There are things that are hard in this world, but the things that are hard are good. It's not always easy. It's not always convenient, but it's the thing that's actually going to bring us most joy on the other side. And so that's one of the unintended consequences of convenience. The E stands for entertainment. I mean, think about it. We got Netflix, we got Hulu, we got HBO, we got every app we need. We got games on our phones. We take it with us wherever we go. And so entertainment. And again, we all love entertainment, right? We all love to be entertained through this. If you go on a road trip today, I mean, think about it, you know, for older millennials, for Gen Xers and, you know, baby boomers, when we went on a road trip with our parents, what did we get? Nothing, right? You looked out, you counted the trees, you played I Spy, you know, (laughs) like that's all you did. You were bored, right? And that was even hard for us. But now kids today, they just get iPads and, you know, there's an endless amount of entertainment. And so as a result, the unintended consequences we need to think about is this, Boredom is bad. If I'm bored, that must be bad. But research and psychologists have actually shown that boredom is the place where some of the most creativity is birth. So when your kid wants to watch Netflix and they want to be on the iPad or whatever, and you just want to be able to do free parenting by giving them the Netflix, you know, account, which I'm so guilty of. (laughs) Think about, you know what, you need to go play outside right now. When I'm bored, I don't want to do this. It's okay for you to be bored. And then so much creativity is birthed from them and it actually helps their brain chemistry. So that's huge. The N for the word scene stands for nurture. All right. And so nurture is a big deal, especially if you're a two on the Enneagram. But the unintended consequences is that anything risky is bad. I hope we can't do that. You know, there was a poll that was taken for Gen Z in high schools today. 72% of high school students say they want to be entrepreneurs and yet they don't want to risk anything, right? That does not compute. That's like oil and water, right? Like it does not mix together well because think about it. Entrepreneurs is all about risk. It's crazy. In the early 1990s, you know, if you were an entrepreneur, it was like, oh, that was a nice word for gainfully unemployed. Now it's like, oh, that's the thing to do. But guess what? There's risk. And so we got to realize if you're going to nurture, you got to always realize that like risk is a good thing. We can take risk. We can challenge things. And when you fail, we need to redefine failure. Failure is an opportunity to begin again more intelligently, right? We can fail forward. So risk is not bad. It's good, but it's the unintended consequence of nurture. And then lastly, E, this one's big, entitlement. And for millennials and some Gen Z, this is big for us, right? Entitlement. It used to be a privilege to go to college. About 2008, it became a right, right? Now it's not just a privilege to have internet. It's our right to free Wi-Fi. It's our right to have free education. It's our right to free healthcare. It's our right. And so when we get far removed from the sacrifice of other people's work from our country of giving us freedom, we think we earn it. We think we deserve it and we become entitled. And as a result, we have an unintended consequence that labor 
is bad. If I got to work for it, well then that can't be good because I should already deserve it. We say you deserve to be happy. I don't know who came up with that, but that's not true. You have the right to pursue happiness, but you're not entitled to it, right? So you got to work for that. And one of the great things about working and parenting, both for ourselves as parents and to help our children, is not IQ. What's interesting about IQ is that it's kind of limited, right? Our IQ, it doesn't really change all that much. But what we're talking about here and what we can help ourselves do and our kids do is emotional intelligence. It's called EQ. And what's great research shows is that EQ can be developed. Every part of my coaching experience that I teach, everything that I share in my podcast is all about developing EQ, emotional intelligence. And when it comes to parenting, what an amazing thing for us to be aware of when it comes to what generation we're in, what generation we're raising, as well as how technology is impacting ourselves and the way we're parenting. So cheers for now, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. Subscribe below, share it with your friends, and if you want to take your life, love, or leadership to the next level, check us out online at mattmorgan.com.